0: slash the codex cantina it all helps us in running the show along with commercials guys so thank you so much we're going to do a quick commercial break and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode jumping in to the Bake monogatari book three subasa cap welcome my name's uno if you guys are starting here i've been doing a journey through some of these series as kind of like a side mission on top of the literary adventures that we've been doing here Today, we are exploring a story that is probably twice as large as any other one that we've read. I did not start with the, what's it called? Kizumanogatari? That's one's going to be next for me, and I definitely want to try that one out as well. This is one where I was looking to see, okay, Nisi How's he going to explore with 200 pages, which is probably similar to his Death Note BB-8 cases that I read three years ago. And I would say that his writing style actually stays consistent, even in the short form. Interesting. Like I I wouldn't say that he used the longer format to change the way that he approached the story. I think he still had the similar amount of pacing is what I thought. But I think at the same time he still did his thing where he likes to explore myths and kind of what they mean. I think we can safely put to rest my theory about the Greek mythology as he as they go to the you know the constellations to look at those and they bring up the lynx cat. What's Subasa a cat in this one? So I don't think that we can say that that's hidden or made up at this point in time. I think we were definitely we definitely caught that one correctly, guys. So so a plus to to all of us out there that were looking at that one but you'll notice that he and brought in some Aesop's fables this time. You'll notice that he mentioned the wind and the north sun four times <laughs> in this book, which is which is a lot of times to reference it. And I think a lot of the main theme is drawn from that, if you didn't know. The that story is one where basically the north wind's like, "I'm stronger than you sun." The sun's like, "Uh-uh, not no way, not happening." So what do they do? They ha- they have a battle, right? And the north wind's like, "Okay, first guy to make that dude take off his jacket wins watch this and the north wind just blows as hard as it can and the dude just buckles down you know he's not he's not letting his coat go it's windy out (laughs) he gives up right along comes the north sun and he just burns tight you know real hot so the guy takes his jacket off because it's too hot so sometimes these fables are difficult to interpret. This one I think is fairly obvious. It's the idea you can't make someone do something sometimes. Sometimes you need to convince them to come to their own conclusions. And this is very reminiscent. And even at the end when Oshino is leaving, it kind of ties that together with that whole you can't save everybody, right? It's, 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 you'll notice that Araragi is leading people to decisions. He's kind of the Oshino in training, He's, uh, Oshino's oh, the Yoda, right? He's the one that has guided our characters on their hero's journey to conquer their own villains, right? And typically in a hero's journey, the hero has to enter a cave. You know, Luke Skywalker entered that cave of how am I going to achieve my destiny? And these aberrations, okay, well, how do we provide value to the aberrations in these readings? You can kind of view these as the caves that characters have to go through in order to achieve their character, their, their hero's journey, right? And Oshino's purpose is the Yoda. Yoda doesn't fight the battles in, in the original trilogy of Star Wars. He leads them on a journey of self-discovery, pushing past boundaries that they thought that they had. But it's the character that has to take that step. And Yoda learns you can't save everybody, right? He he even condemns himself for training people that he shouldn't train, right? In the same way, Oshino is leading these characters into their own caves to face their aberrations. Which So what are aberrations? It seems to me so far, one of the ways that we can think about aberrations is there are our own, they're, I don't wanna say vices, but there are our own problems, there are our own struggles that we have to go through, whether it's a familial past, whether it's a desire and greed to constantly be the best and one up everyone, whether it's, you know, being lost, you know, kind of like the snail. Each of these characters have these, I think some people would call them flaws, but they're elements of a character that people would can perceive as not being perfect. And these characters go on each of their own hero's journey, which is interesting because Aradagi is our main character. But he sucks so far because he hasn't even really gone in his own hero's journey. And even like characters like Nadeko Snake, wet rag of a character, right? Like like, (laughs) a whole arc that was really more about him than it was about uh, Aradagi. Or I'm saying more than uh, about Nadeko Snake, I should say. Arguably, you could say Oshino is the son. He's not making the characters do these things on top of the Yoda thing. He's the son. He beats down, he shows them the way, and then characters take off their own clothes, literally, (laughs) in this story. But the characters do have to take off their own limitations and take off of the... The oppressions that they have repression is a big theme throughout this series. Someone just commented on that on the uh, Nadeko Snake, and I couldn't agree more that repression was huge. And I think that's really important when we talk about memories because Subasa Cat. If you didn't notice, I'm going to read a couple of quotes here. The beginning of every single chapter for our close readers may have picked up on this. Pa- pause and think about it. What happened at the beginning of each chapter? We have a reference to a memory of each one. In chapter 2, after classes were over on Tuesday, June 13th, which promised to be a memorable day for me. Chapter 3, June 13th, a memorable day for me. Chapter 4, I got to bed, had some trivial dream of the kind you mostly forget. Chapter 5, but speaking of memorable, perhaps the park was a place to remember. And it goes on and on, right? So in chapter six, Araragi invites us into the memory of these places that he's been to previously in the Baki Managatari series. And even in chapter seven, we have him wondering, but I don't remember very well. And even if I did, the fact that I forgotten, it means it wouldn't have been that important. And if that didn't hit you on the head, right, you have Senjō Gahara, who goes to the place with the stars. Okay, so there's our constellation theme again. And what, what does that mean to her? It's the memory of the place where she used to spend time with her dad and her mom. And you have, like I said, Araragi remembering the place like the, the swing set, the solo swing set and stuff like that, and who he met there on that day. So I guess one of the things that I'm thinking is that if these aberrations are our problems that we have as peoples, the question that we have to ask is what do we do with the memories of these? It seems tangential at first, but let's also recall how Hanekawa almost has these split memories. She has no memory of the other personality in a sense. And I don't think that's meant to be a commentary on split personality or multiple personality disorder. She, you know, she's obviously repressing these elements, these the sexual thoughts that she has, and it comes out in this overly sexual creature of the animal at the end, right? And even there's commentary from the animal where you'll notice she's constantly forgetting things at the, at the end there, when she's, when she's black Hanekawa. You know, in Oshino's guidance, he says, you do have to be aware. There are some things you can't handle without knowing about them first. And I think this speaks to how memories are part of us. Hanekawa is dealing with a boatload of issues, from her sexuality, to her parents, to abuse, to finding a lack of identity from being passed around. And if you constantly repress a lot of these feelings what happens and it explodes it's hydraulic it'll build up and eat away at you this is her aberration is never dealing with her problems And another way to talk about that is never dealing with the memories of these two so with that said even with these themes i think it's interesting beyond that the way that niciosian his technique is interesting the way that the the narrator is i still can't figure out this narrator because Araragi will think something, right? When she's on the back of the swing, okay? Teenage boy, okay. So he's thinking about her pressing up against him, okay. But we have these thoughts where he's thinking, wasn't that a sumo move? A sabaori, I think? No, Araragi, a sabaori or a forward force down, dot, dot, dot. So here we have her replying in dialogue to inner monologue, Right? At no point in time did Araragi say this sumo move asabaori out loud, right? And I th- I think I mentioned that at least once in the Nadeko Snake. If not, let me know in the comments and, and I'll go through my notes and I'm sure I have it written down somewhere. But there's a couple of points where characters have access to Araragi's thoughts that he isn't at least telling us is happening out loud, which means one of two things. Either we have a situation where he's being unreliable, which to no end, to no end is Araragi a reliable narrator. But, but to what end in this case? Why, why would he hide or repress his thoughts here? Or is he misremembering things? Both of these dealing with memory and a suppression of thoughts in a plot riddled with the idea of Black Hanekawa suppressing these emotions that she's been having for years and then lashing out in this oversexualized creature. And we have quotes from Oshino where he'll say, the question is what the stressor is this time. In Hanakawa's case, it was, of course, her family. At least that's what I thought. Again, this is in her monologue. And then we have, oh, I thought the same thing at first too. But what do you think, Aratagi? She just got rid of the stress she finally unleashed after holding herself together for 17 years. So Oshino is directly responding to Araragi's inner thoughts once again. So either, like I said, Aradagi is suppressing something, or we actually have a very complicated narration where characters' minds are blending together in a sense. And I think we've seen that in some cases, such as like William Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury and stuff like that. Is Nisi at that caliber level of writing? I'll let you for to decide that. Or is it a mistake? What do you guys think? The last thing I would say is that there is some other layered myths in here that I think is kind of interesting. I don't know why I'm finding the myths so interesting in my interpretations. I don't know if it's because there's so much of them, or is it because I picked up on the Greek one early, and now I'm just constantly looking for those. I'm not sure. So there's the links one. You know, we don't need to beat the Greek horse to death here, if you will. But there's also the one where they talk about the Kamakura Bakufu, or the self-appointed shogunate which if you look at it historically, were people that did what? They took power through force, right? And what they did is they built their own army. And I think it's interesting to compare aradagi to these because what is he doing here, right? We're literally going through the first, I don't know how many episodes of this in the anime. I saw a couple of the episodes for, I think it was the Nadeko snake arc, but I, it's gone off Hulu, so I can't watch it anymore. Uh, but, but he's, if you look at the opening episodes of a lot of shows, it's building your your fellowship, you know, the, the the fellowship of the ring, you know, Lord of the Rings. You build your your crew, and then you go on this fantastic hero's journey, right? I think we've made the case that there's clearly a hero's journey happening for each of these characters. What's Aradagi doing? He is the Kamakara Bakufu, who's building his army, his self-appointed army here. For what? I don't know. But I enjoy the references to Japanese history and culture. I think it's really cool as someone who's interested in that to kind of explore that and what does that mean for the story. And I think it's also important to think about those as memories too, right? So we repress and oppress and suppress our memories of events of the past and sometimes we're doomed to repeat them. So is Nisiosin bringing up some of these elements to have characters fall later in a similar way that they have from a historical standpoint in the story, I don't know. I will say on the negative side, the the word and name play on this is probably for in in the native language of Japanese. I have to assume it's next level. Like some of the the text here, when you're reading it in English, it, it makes no sense. Like <laughs> you we it's it's a it's a travesty, not for the translator, but I think the publisher to not allow uh, footnotes. To explain, hey, this kanji can be interpreted this way, which is why when we translate into English, it's this word and sometimes this word. Like this, it, ex- it would explain the humor and explain what is ultimately a nonsensical exchange that you know is lost in translation. I think you and I are both smart enough to know this is something that probably makes great sense and is probably very humorous in Japanese. Why they couldn't just include the footnotes at the bottom is it's a travesty. I don't know if it's a light novel culture thing, like footnotes make it seem too academic or something, but it's needed in some of these areas. If, let's put it this way guys if there's a resource that explains oh okay here's the kanji wordplay or if you flop you know these katakana or hiragana here it, it, it reverses you know a palindronic approach kind of like his name if there's a website that explores that hit me up with that link down below because i don't have the effort to go through and look up and find the japanese to try to translate some of this stuff it'd be cool if someone out there did that already and we had a resource to kind of refer to that it would be pretty sweet but Reading it just in English with no footnotes, pretty frustrating because there's no meaning in some of these. So I'm going to continue. What is it next? Kizumonogatari? is next. But I'm hoping that that one's 300 pages. I, I really hope he picks up and explores and uses those 300 pages as opposed to just doing the same pacing shtick that he has done in these. Because if you're going to use more word count, you should use those pages to open up your writing. And I think he's doing that as he's maturing as a writer uh, i'm hoping that he can, can continue to see that and we'll see that in Kizumonogatari. i don't know if that one came out first and then maybe that statement makes no sense because maybe he wrote it first i don't know but that's what i'm hoping for with a 300 page book because it is taxing when you're reading this and the publisher or translator doesn't give you the notes for them it's it's pretty frustrating so hopefully that picks up guys we'll see you in the next video una out